said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Howard Smith. John in chapter 1 and verse 18 tells us that no one has ever seen God at any time, but that Jesus has declared him. In other words, he has shown him or made him known. And while we are living in the 21st century, no one has ever been able to prove convincingly beyond all doubt that God exists. And one of the reasons why that is the case is because if the existence of God could be proved, there would be no need for faith. It would be totally unnecessary. But God wants us to believe in him. He wants us to trust him, to accept him and to love him by faith until our faith becomes reality. I'd like to read Romans 1.20 to you. This is a wonderful scripture I don't know how often we read it or really pay attention to what it says. Romans 1 verse 20. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. Note so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. I don't know whether you noted that Clive James an Australian who spent most of his life in England as a humorist died recently at the age of 80. One of his statements, supposedly funny, was that religion is a shop front for nothingness. I think that in the future there may be some very big surprises for Clive James. This is a very interesting scripture. For it plainly says that God is to be seen in his created world and that nobody will have an excuse for not believing in him. Most of us have probably lost parents or loved ones, people who were pivotal in our lives. And when we think of maybe our mothers or our fathers, I don't think we generally try to picture them as they were. 
I think we are more likely to remember their character and their personalities, which we know would have changed had time gone on. But what we remember, I think, is a reminder of ways in which we can think about God. God does not expect us to have a blind faith or an unfounded faith, but he has provided us with so much evidence and we want to look at a little bit of that evidence today. In our world today, there are four or five major fields of religion. There is Hinduism, which is to be found mainly on the Indian subcontinent. It was founded about 4000 BC, not by one person, but by a group. And they believe in one God, Brahman, who is eternal and is the foundation of all that exists. Today, there are about 1.1 million Buddhists in the world today, making up about 15% of the world's population. And then there's Judaism, which grew into Christianity. And it goes back to the time of Abraham, 2,000 years BC. And then to Jesus, about 2,000 years ago for us, and we know what Christians believe and what the Bible teaches. There are about 2.4 billion Christians in the world today. And they make up 33% of the world's population. And unlike uh, many religions that are to be found in countries all around the world... Buddhism was founded by Siddhartha Satama, known as Buddha in India, in about the 4th or 5th century BC. Buddhists believe that nothing is fixed and that change is constant. They believe that the path to morality is through practice, meditation and wisdom, that life is endless and subject to suffering and uncertainty. They believe in reincarnation. There are about half, about 500 million Buddhists in the world today, making up about 7% of the world's population. And then there is Islam. Islamists believe in one God, Allah, in the Quran which was revealed to Muhammad. They believe that in the Gospels that he was revealed to Jesus. The Torah was revealed to Moses and the Psalms to David. They say it began about 6,000 years BC, but we might even question that date. But Muhammad is dead. There is only one faith in the world today whose founder is alive 
and might we say, very well. History and the Bible records that Jesus was seen at least 12 times to over 100 people in the 40 days after his resurrection. And that is a matter of historical record. And so Jesus is the focus of human history and indeed the universe. For his birth separates the human chronology of time between BC and AD. And every time we look at the date, we are accepting God's entry into our world and his control of human time and history. Let us look at what the, at what the Bible says about the character of God. And there is a lot of scriptural reference for that in the Bible, which we can readily read. First thing we note is that God is almighty. He is limitless and has absolute power. He is omnipotent. Similar sort of power, but this is a specific power over nature. He is omniscient which means he is all-knowing and all-understanding. He's omnipresent. He is capable of being everywhere at every time in his entire universe. He's eternal. He says, I am Alpha and Omega. He has no beginning and he has no end. And he is holy, possessing perfection in goodness and righteousness. He's majestic. He is dignified, grand, stately, and of lofty stature. He is a fiat creator meaning that he created the universe as is described in Psalms by order or command. He spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He is glorious. He is surrounded by radiant light and beauty, so powerful that if we were to come into his presence, that we'd be consumed by it. And God is the totality of principled love and we are the beneficiaries of that. Let us look at some other evidence that supports the existence of an all-powerful God. In Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, and you might like to turn to that in your Bibles, is a very fascinating scripture, and it reads like this. It talks about God speaking to us by the prophets, but he has spoken to us in these last days by his Son, 
by whom also he created the world. If you have a King James Bible, it says worlds, plural. And from what we've just looked at about the character of God, that is highly likely and probable. The psalmist speaks about all the world standing by in awe of God in Psalm 33 and verses 6 and 9. And we can only marvel too when we look at what God has done. Our world is about 12,756 kilometres in diameter. If we look at the circumference of it, it's about 40,000 kilometres. And an estimate of the weight of our world is 13 billion trillion tonnes. You can't even imagine that, can you? 13 billion trillion tonnes. Beyond our comprehension. And it's travelling through space at 111,000 kilometres an hour around the sun. We can't even imagine speed like that, can we? 111,000 kilometres an hour. It's interesting that the Bible talks about, in Isaiah and other places, about the circle of the earth. It's interesting that everything that God created in Genesis 1 and 2 was mature. Can you imagine on the day that when the vegetation and the trees were created that in 24 hours they grew into full maturity? We see film like that these days, don't we? Of buds opening and blossoms opening and flowers opening. And so that would mean that if at the end of that day of creation we cut down one of the giant sequoias in California or the cedars of Lebanon, that the growth rings would show that they were perhaps thousands of years old, but they weren't 24 hours old. So the chicken and the egg story in question is forever solved. And I somehow like to think that God enjoys creating. If you're a creative person, you don't make one thing and then stop, do you? And I would like to think that because of God's power and knowledge that he is still creating... In Genesis 1 and verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image. And in chapter 2 and verse 7, it talks about and describes God making man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And so a body plus the breath of life 
creates a living and moving soul. It's also equally wonderful that in verse 19 of that same chapter that it goes on to describe that God formed out of the ground every beast of the field and every bird of the air. Do you know how many beasts, types of beasts there are in the world? It is estimated there are about 1.2, not thousand, but million different types of animals created by God and given life by God. And there are about nine to 10,000 different species of birds. When we are speaking about God, we are speaking about a wonderful God whose power is beyond our comprehension. We're going to sing about that now. And the hymn we're going to sing is number 88, I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the mighty, sing the mighty Spreads the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that fills the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed where I turn my
Another powerful evidence of the existence of God is in prophecy. From the beginning of time, God has constantly communicated with his human family. And if we go back to Genesis 2, we know that God walked with Adam and Eve and talked to them directly in the Garden of Eden, in the cool of the day. We know that he talked to people like Noah. Noah really was an amazing man. He spent 120 years taking God at his word and he built a boat, an enormous boat, which a lot of people, when they look at it today, they think would never sail. It was amazingly seaworthy. And he spoke and preached for 120 years about something that had never, ever happened before. It had never rained. They didn't know what rain was like. A mist came up from the ground and watered the earth. So here's the man building a boat for 120 years and talking about water that had never been seen. But one of the most, and of course, Noah's prophecy was amazingly fulfilled. For although they went into the ark and God shut the door, it didn't rain straight away. What a test of their faith. That must have been. And then it started to rain. And the fountains of the deep were opened. And our world was flooded as it has never been before. All prophesied by Noah. As we know, one of the most outstanding prophecies in scripture we find in the book of Daniel. And we can still mentally picture that massive image of a man and in one big statue God was able to summarise the history of the major nations of our world and it included Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome all the major nations that have come and gone and we are now living in the legs and feet of that image of iron and miry clay and we can see that they have never mixed and will never mix as has ever happened before. But then that enormous stone cut out without hands that is going to come and smash the feet of that image in pieces. That stone, of course, we know is Jesus. And with the end of the human nations of our world, God is going to set up a nation that will never, ever pass away. We're going to sing another hymn now. And it's, it's 596.
We're just going to sing all three stanzas of this because they're interesting and so descriptive. Three stanzas, look for the way marks as we journey on. One of the most outstanding evidences of the existence of God is the plan to redeem and to save and restore lost humanity. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and we'll read some wonderful verses there. We'll start in verse 18. And just read a couple of verses in sequence. First Peter 1 and verse 18. You know that you were ransomed with corruptible things. Sorry, that you were not ransomed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers. I'm reading from King James. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, 
who verily was foreordained when before the foundation of the world or the worlds, but was manifest in these last times for you. So in the eternity of the past, before our world existed, before a single human being walked on the face of the earth, even before sin was known, God made plans that should man sin, and of course he knew he would choose to sin, that Jesus would come and would live as a man, that he would reveal the beauty and the nature and the character of God, and that he would give his life on the cross, not just to save himself, but to save the billions of people. Everyone who would live on the face of the earth from creation to the day of Jesus' return could be saved through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Jesus alone is the answer to your problem and mine. He is the answer to the sin problem of our world. Where else but a divine being would know millennia before things happened and make provision for them and plan the solution? And all you and I have to do is to believe him, to trust him. John 3.16, maybe we can say it together, is such a beautiful verse that summarises this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In Isaiah 55, we read that God's word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish his purpose. It will prosper wherever he sends it. And Revelation Chapter 7 and verse 9 describes a beautiful scene. Uh, Read it this afternoon. It will do your soul good. The setting is in heaven. And it speaks of a great multitude that no man can number. Of all nations and kindreds and tongues and people. Standing before the throne and standing before Jesus, the Lamb, who died that all those people might be saved. They're clothed in white robes and they cry with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God and to the Lamb. It's because of the Lamb that they are there. And we're going to sing about that again.
This time we're going to sing hymn 337. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed. So happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever. shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night redeemed 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 by the blood of the lamb redeemed redeemed his child and There's a lovely description in chapter 4 of the book of Acts about Peter who had just healed a man who had been lame from birth. We don't know how old he was, but he was certainly of some age. And Peter commanded him to stand and to walk in the name of Jesus. And he stood up instantly. And he not only walked, but he leapt in the air. And he went from the presence of Peter and the disciples and just could not help himself telling everybody what had happened. He hardly needed to tell them because they could see it. He was well known because he had been lame for decades. I wonder if we are lame spiritually, physically, emotionally, or socially. But the same Jesus who brought new life and mobility to that man can change our lives and can give our lives new meaning and purpose and hope and happiness. No wonder Paul wrote in verse 12 of that same chapter, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men 
whereby we must be saved. And then the other evidence of God is our own life experience. Many of us have seen a number of summers. And I'm sure that as you look back on your life, you can see how God has worked in your life. And maybe in the life of your family members and of your friends. I know of some people and some experiences where they have prayed about some of the vital issues of life and their prayers have been answered within days of when they asked God. I know of one case where someone said to God, challenging him maybe, if this is your will for me, may it happen by a particular birthday. Within two months and two days before that birthday, the prayer was answered in a better way than they would ever have imagined. Let us sing again, this time our closing hymn. And it's a bright hymn, but it's a lovely hymn. 426. I shall see the king where the angels sing. I shall see the king someday. I shall see the king where the angels sing. I shall see the king someday. In the better land on the golden strand. And with him shall ever stay. In his glory I shall see the king. And forever endless praises sing. Was on Calvary, Jesus died for me. I shall see the King someday. I shall see the King, all my tributes bring, and shall look upon his face. Then my song shall be how he ransomed me and has kept me by his grace. In his glory I shall see the King and forever endless praises sing. T'was on Calvary Jesus died
This message was made available by the Barrel Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit barreladventist.church. you enjoy the short presentation of how God led his people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. Rachel Oaks was attending this church here in Washington, New Hampshire one particular Sunday as she was visiting her daughter Delight when the circuit riding preacher who came to town was Frederick Wheeler. That particular Sunday it was communion and as the speaker spoke he spoke how we ought to be willing to follow Christ all the way how we needed to obey God and keep his commandments. Rachel Oaks was a woman of conviction, and as she heard these words, she decided to speak to him afterwards. She later said that she wanted to stand up in the middle of the message, but she refrained from such a public spectacle. My brother, you'll do better to set that communion table back against the wall and cover it with a white cloth until you're willing to keep all the commandments of God. You see, Rachel Oaks was a Seventh-day Baptist and she felt strongly about this subject and admonished Frederick Wheeler that he ought to follow God all the way. Wheeler later stated that her words cut deep and they sent him straight back to the Bible to study the subject for himself. This was a turning point in his life and he was convicted on the Sabbath and saw it as binding. This event would actually happen before the great disappointment of October the 22nd, 1844. And the big issue at that time was the imminent return of Jesus rather than the Sabbath. This would soon change though. Rachel Preston lived the rest of her life in Vernon, Vermont, in an area rich in history. Near her home is a well-preserved Advent Christian chapel that Joshua V. Himes dedicated in the 1860s. Dwight L. Moody lived nearby and preached here on a few occasions, and Ira B. Sankey also sang here. Rachel Preston did not become a Seventh-day Adventist until just a year before her death. She is buried here in Vernon, Vermont, and near her grave there is a fitting historic marker that outlines her special place in history. The town of Washington, New Hampshire has a special place in history and whilst it might not be entirely accurate to say it's the birthplace of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, it is the location of the first Sabbath-keeping Millerite Church that continues as a Seventh-day Adventist Church today. Here you can walk the Sabbath trail that charts the history of the Sabbath from creation to the new earth on 31 granite stones. The Sabbath is a beautiful truth that God was slowly restoring back to his people bit by bit. 
The Sabbath is a gift that God has given to us, a time to take out of our busy schedules to renew and deepen our relationship with Him. I pray that this week you may take the time to spend with Him on the day that God has given to us. Frederick Wheeler moved from the Washington, New Hampshire area and went to live in upstate New York and lived a long life of loyal service to God, always faithful in following him and remaining confident in his beliefs. At the age of 96, he wrote, the gospel armor I will not put off, the contest I will not yield until with the ransomed host, I shout the final victory. He died at the age of 99 and is buried here in West Monroe, New York. His tombstone reads, he was a pioneer minister of the Seventh-day Adventists. Rachel Preston teaches us the importance of boldness, but not any type of boldness, boldness that was kind and courteous. She didn't seek to embarrass the person she was talking to, but approached them in a kind, courteous and Christ-like manner. Frederick Wheeler teaches us the importance of humble honesty. When he saw something in his life and it was pointed out something that wasn't right, he changed what he did and he changed what he believed to be in line with God's word. May God grant us these attributes of character as we follow him in our lives. view more episodes in the series, visit lineagejourney.com. Hi, I'm Casey Butler, and I'm here today to share with you some personal experiences that I've had with God. Have you ever heard of stories where people who have not grown up in a Christian environment come to the point in their life where they question, is God real? Is he out there? Does he care about me personally? I've heard a number of stories like that. People just get to the point where they feel a void in their life and they long for for something more. They are convinced there must be something greater and so they, they question, is God real? And they start seeking after God. And many of them find him. I've also heard of a number of stories too where people who have grown up in a Christian environment where they know all about God, they've learnt so much as of in their, their childhood stories about Jesus and, and many different experiences, they also come to the point where they question, is God real? Does he care about me personally? I was one of those people. I grew up in a, a Christian environment and... Um, went to church every week for as long as I can remember and I studied the Bible every day and prayed and did all of those devotional kind of things and yet I came to the point in my life where I asked that very question is God real does he care about me personally I wanted an experience that wasn't just head knowledge because I've grown up understanding and knowing so much about God and yet it just seemed like something was missing in my heart. I just felt something was was not right. I, I wanted to know that God was real 
that his love for me was 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 personal and, and went right to my heart and I didn't have that so I prayed I began praying to God for a deeper experience I, I prayed that he would that he would show me Jesus that he would give me an appreciation of his love for me and he answers my prayer in some interesting ways one of the most significant situations that happened to me was I was unexpectedly I guess sort of thrown into a difficult circumstance and I couldn't control it I had nothing that I could do in the situation to control it except for pray and so immediately I began praying just in my head in my thoughts just asking God for very specific things to help me in that particular situation and what was astonishing to me was right before my very eyes God answered every detail of the prayer that I prayed in my mind I hadn't spoken it out loud or anything and I was just blown away in fact I I pondered that God had answered every detail like that right before my eyes right in that instant of need for months it just got right to my my heart that who am I that God would even recognize every thought and go about answering it and I knew that in order for him to answer those the things that I'd asked for he had to send angels from heaven um, and he had to just work in the circumstances I was in in a powerful way to be able to accomplish what I'd asked for just in the spur of the moment and in my need so I, I just for months was thinking why me Lord <laughs> why did you do that for me like yeah that just that really did something in me but there was more that God did in my life like I, that was one experience but during this time where I was I was seeking to know if God's real I had some other experiences as well and one of them was I was out in the garden um, actually in the, the orchard that is at our home and I was pondering Christ's sacrifice for me and I was really struggling to appreciate it. I could, like I knew it all in theory but and I was thinking about it but it just didn't seem like it, I appreciated it in my heart and I was trying hard to appreciate it. I was praying to God, wanting to, to understand what he, you know, what he'd done for me and, and have it mean something deeper and as I walked, I was walking back up to the house and I came across just in the particular path that I went, at my feet was a red and black feather. And as soon as I saw it, I just I just picked it up quickly and I was just amazed, immediately amazed because this feather was the tail feather of a glossy black cockatoo. It's a cockatoo that we have here in New South Wales uh, in Australia and it um, it's a sort of a threatened species. So to be able to find a feather from this this bird that was you know all black with a, a patch of red in it was just like so rare. And um, I, I'm a bit of a bird watcher. I like to see 
wild birds, native birds, and um, identify them and keep a list, a record of all the different species that I've seen. So I knew as soon as I saw this feather that it was something special. And as soon as I saw it, I, it just, it touched me. I thought, wow, because in light of what I had just been thinking about, I had been thinking about Christ's sacrifice for me. And here, this feather, it was, you know, black with red. And to me, it was saying, God was saying to me, my, my blood, the blood of my sacrifice, symbolized by the red color of the feather, was on top of the black on the feather, which is like Christ's blood covers my blackness, the blackness of my sin and, and the evil in my heart. And that, just the fact that God used the feather and that showed me that he knew my interests, he knew my passions, he knew what I loved and enjoyed about nature and life. The fact that he used that at that moment, that got deep in my heart too. And I realized that, wow, God knows me. He cares for me. He knows my struggles. He knows how I'm seeking him and what I'm wanting to know about him and how, and how I'm wanting to know he is real. So God responded um, in that way because when I was walking back up to the house, I could have walked like two meters across from the actual direction that I took and I probably would have missed the feather altogether. But the fact that I happened to walk directly in the path of where that feather was, it was just amazing to me. So that was another experience that oh, I pondered and, and treasured for a while because it it really said something to me spiritually about God and you know as I've had experiences like this and God has answered my prayers he has helped me know that he is real he has worked in real ways in my life that's just an experience that's meaningful between me and God I have realized and began to appreciate deep in my heart that God is real and that he cares about me personally. And since I've had those experiences, my walk with God has been filled with a lot more peace because I've had an experience that was not just all head knowledge, it's gone right to my heart. And this has given me a lot more confidence in God. And it's interesting, you know, there are there are Bible writers also who've had similar experiences like this where they just realize how much God knows them and how real he is. And I want to read from Psalm 139 because this expresses this thought. This is a Psalm of David. And he says this, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, 
and thy right hand shall hold me. So here David is expressing this very thing that God, he knows all about him, what he's doing, where he is, and he cannot flee from God's presence. And this just shows how much God knows and cares for us individually, personally. He knows where we are. And I pray that wherever you are today, wherever you are in your connection with God, you may be seeking for a deeper experience with God. You may be seeking to know that He is real in your life. You may have grown up knowing God. You may have grown up not knowing anything about God. But you may be still in that position of wondering, is God real? So I am here to say that I have found in my life God is real. And I know that when we seek Him with all our heart, we will find Him and He will make Himself known to us. So it is my prayer for you today that God will work in your life and that you will know that He is real and that He loves you and cares for you personally. God bless you. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference does prayer make? You might be astonished at the difference prayer makes. Dr Herbert Benson certainly is. Dr. Benson is a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. In his book, Timeless Healing, he says, and I quote, I am astonished that my scientific studies so conclusively show that our bodies are nourished and healed by prayer and other exercises of faith. Everything that matters to you matters to God. So talk to him about everything that matters to you. Because when the minds of mere mortals connect with the mind of their creator, the effect on mind and body and soul is beyond estimate. Prayer makes an astonishing difference. It's been our pleasure bringing you this program today here on 3ABN Australia Radio.